This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Last week, the Equality Court in Johannesburg handed down a judgment of hate speech for comments made on social media against the Chinese community. This judgment marks another significant step in fighting hate speech in this country. To tell me about the case and what it means for the Chinese community, I'm delighted to have the Chair and Vice-Chair of the Chinese Association, Owen Pan and Francis Lai Hong, join me now. Owen and Francis, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank Thank you very much for having us. Firstly, what is, tell me a little bit about the Chinese uh, Association. Chinese Association was founded in 1903. So actually next year we celebrate our 120th anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Association. At that time, it actually was called the Transvaal Chinese Association. Uh, but uh, as China times change, we also changed it, but we kept the acronym uh, and changed it instead of Transvaal to China, the Chinese Association. Now, the primary objective of the Chinese Association was really to look after the Chinese community and the members. Uh, Chinese community actually has been in South Africa for hundreds of years. And um, in the early 1900s, there was quite a few Chinese there that came across, mainly working in the mines. But then you'd find uh, Chinese people also working in st- stores, etc., and providing services to those Chinese in the community was there. And the aim and objective of the community of the association then was really to look after the Chinese for their interest, writing letters back home, sending them back home, settling them in here, uh, dealing with any problems. I remember reading some of my uh, predecessors going to jail uh, for uh, during those times and, and standing up against the oppression, etc. So it was really looking after the community. But it has, so, so whilst the uh, objectives haven't really changed in looking after the interests of the Chinese community is also expanded. And as we grow into the uh, new South Africa, as you will, and part of that now is also to in, expand our role, our position, and make sure that other communities also get to know about the Chinese, our history, century old history here uh, in South Africa and, and get to have a better common understanding around what we really stand for. Great. Um, Do you want to take us back to what happened in 2017 and the kinds of comments that you received? I I recall very vividly, I recall very clearly at the time, you know, we had just finished our Chinese New Year celebration, which we have every year on the streets of Johannesburg in Commission Street that involves food stalls and culture shows and everybody in South Africa, everybody in Johannesburg gets involved. So we would have all race groups uh, and cultural uh, groups taking part. But And it's normal time of elation because we are in with a massive fireworks display. And people that have attended this will recall, you know. And so we come back home and we're very elated. And then we open up our social media pages and we see this stream of hatred coming from all angles. And I'm not, you know... We, we we took 11 people to court successfully. Uh, one didn't, one got away. But there were more than 11. There were like about 200 really terrible comments. And as a Chinese person, you really felt totally insulted, offended, betrayed almost, you know, that this whole entire group of people would come out and say things like, go back to China or, you know, you guys are not uh, humans. And there were some really terrible ones like killing, maybe we should kill their kids, you know, so... Those are all over the newspapers, but they were really very, very bad comments. We selected the 11 worst ones 
But there is no such thing as selecting 11 worst ones. There are 200 to 300 comments that all hurt, you know, and I, I really felt that we as a community should get together and we all did. And we, we spoke about this. All the associations came together and they said we should take this matter to court. It's no use doing anything on a small scale. We wanted this to become a huge statement on our part and set a legal precedent for all the terrible things that were said against the Chinese community, which was really uh, taking away our, our dignity and really very offensive. Well, I mean, you talk about taking away your dignity, and that's the exact point of hate speech and why we feel, I think, together as minority communities, we have to fight against hate speech. But, Owen, yes. I think you testified and gave your experience of growing up in South Africa. Would you like to share some of that with me? I I grew up in the 70s uh, and 80s uh, in South Africa. Um, my grandmother herself, she's 109 and still alive now, and she came actually to the court every single day, and, and that was amazing. But again, just just a little bit sidetracked, but that's what it also means to us and our community and, and how much, how important it really is. But so she growing up, she was, you know, kicked out of Sophia Town. She lived there for, for some time until until she was removed from there. But myself, I grew up. Very early days and in, in, in first Chinatown, we call it first Chinatown, the end of Commissioner Street. And with, uh, that was where the Chinese and the Indians and the coloreds and black people would be allowed to live. Um, and, and that's where I started growing up. And then it kind of got, I, I say kind of got a little bit better whereby, um, there was a lot more trade with Japanese and Taiwanese. And so that they enacted some type of honorary white status because Japanese and Taiwanese were investing in South Africa at that stage. So things got a little bit easier because they couldn't tell you whether you were Chinese or Japanese. So during that time, some people would, would try and move out. And, and I say we were fortunate or from a parent's perspective, I'm a parent as well. My parents were fortunate enough to move out and they moved into a suburb called Parkhurst. My dad, when he moved out there, he had to get permission from all the neighbors to stay and, and, and move into the house. Um, although even that time, I think uh, my dad still used the proxy. Actually, a, a Jewish family actually stood as proxy uh, to, to purchase the land for him and then he could move in. So it wasn't in his name, but it was, it, he could stay there. And then we, we grew up in, in Parkhurst. I say, Sometimes maybe it was fortunate or unfortunate because sometimes society is not ready, ready for change. And growing up in a whole white neighborhood, being the only person really of, of color there, I would feel it. And as a child, I did feel it. Firstly, going to, to, to the primary school or uh, preschool and, and being bullied uh, up until primary school and uh, early high school, I would say, but more, more, more primary school being bullied, going into public, trying to go into public swimming pools because there's kids who just love swimming, but, you know, getting into the pool and then seeing all the people suddenly move away from you as if you had some disease or something. Um, and you don't, as a child, you wouldn't know what. And then the, 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 the person that runs the pool or public pool coming to tell you to, to get out and you're not welcome here. Um, those type of things, uh, uh, not being able to get onto buses. Uh, at that time, we would love to go to the ranch show. And um, there, were, there was this one time our parents couldn't take us and we had to catch a bus. And we tried to get on the bus, but uh, they pointed to the sign and said, it was only white allowed. So, so we had to get off the bus. Um, and uh, we weren't, weren't, as a little kid again, being disappointed at 
we couldn't go to the ranch show. So, so, so the, those were a couple of the things that I experienced as, as a child really growing up. Um, but I must say then high school started getting a lot better, a lot more integration with, with, with different colored kids and, and that and, and, and really being treated and welcomed then as, as South African. And then, and then I remember it when I was allowed to vote for the first time. That was amazing. You know, standing in line with, with, with all different people, not only white people or black people, whatever, we were all there and we were South Africans. And that was, that was amazing. And you mentioned that, you know, uh, Francis mentioned a little bit about the election, you know, celebrating and, and the impact it had up until that time. You know, we were, we were almost, I was almost oblivious and almost like a little kid and saying, we're part of South Africa. But coming there in that night and then reading all these hateful, terrible comments, and it wasn't just one or two or even 10. There were so many and even multiple more, these tick box likes on these horrible comments of get rid of them, wipe them out. Let's kill their children. Those type of things. These are barbarians, you know, these slant eyed freaks, those type of things hurt. And it was at that time that I realized in a question, like, am I really in South Africa? Am I really South African? Is this how, you know, they welcome us? And I, and I must apologize, but I must also take this at the time and also thank the many, many other communities that have stood behind us. During this time, because it's not all South Africans that, that view us and, and we 100% view it, uh, understand and, 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 and there's been multiple associations. And one of those that, that, that I must highlight is, is the Jewish Board of Deputies. Not only during this, they were one of the first to reach out when we did this hate speech case, but even during COVID, when there was so much attacks on Chinese and Asians, the Jewish Board of Deputies met and they, you know, at that time, not a lot of people would go to our Chinese malls and shops. The Jewish Board of Deputies came and said, no, 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 we'll show solidarity with you. And we met at the Chinese mall. This was like just before COVID. And we will show people that, that it's fine and it's not right to, 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 um, you know, to, to, to really differentiate between different races or people and, and that we're all the same and that, and that it's, that it is wrong, you know, and they stood in solidarity with us. And for that, we as a Chinese community are just so appreciative. Well, I mean, I'd like to ask you, um, I was at the Chinese market that day and it was an amazing atmosphere, but the, the comments were made in 2017 and that was even before COVID, um, which is great that the ruling has come now, but did things get a lot worse? After that or during COVID? So during COVID, uh, I could say we were saved because of lockdown. And why I say we were saved because of lockdown? So the vitriol and hate speech and dehumanizing of, hum- of, of Chinese people continued online and on social media. But what we did see was that our brothers and sisters overseas in, in the States, in Canada, in the UK, where lockdown was not really so strictly imposed, there was physical violence against Asians. People getting shot, people getting beaten up. Interesting enough, one of the Asians that got beaten up in the UK actually is a local Chinese South African, actually, and he moved to the UK. And the one night he was out and and he just got beaten up. His face, his eye, everything was just so swollen. And I know there's two sides of the story, but honestly, there was nothing other than the color of his skin that got him beaten up. And this is a common trend and theme we saw across the world during COVID. 
So I must say that verbal abuse continued. I experienced it here during COVID or the times we were allowed to go out. I went out with my family and this was just before COVID. I remember walking in one of the centers and um, with the mask weren't compulsory at that time. And these people we walked past suddenly saw us as Asian and suddenly lifted up their, their clothes and covered their masks and pointed at us. And my daughter was like, what, why are they doing that? Why are they making fun of us? So, so that happened. There was one time during lockdown when we were allowed out to the parks, we went to the park. Some guys ran past us and, and, and called us, Hey, COVID or Corona. How's it Corona? And, and they, they ran off. Uh, they were actually aiming at my children. We were a little bit away, but my children told me about that. So it was those things that we did, did experience during COVID, but I must say lockdown did help us a bit. So the judgment was unequivocal. It was a finding of hate speech and, um, strong punishments. Uh, Francis, what are the implications of the finding for you as a community? So I think the, the biggest victory for us was that in future, you know, the judge was very um, merciless, I shall say, because we had four of the people that were missing. They were actually in contempt of court, and they got a 50,000 rand fine. And then you had five others that actually confessed admission of guilt and actually made public apologies, and he also fined them 50,000 rand. So we were a bit puzzled by that. We said, you know, we actually went to court, and we actually said, this is not about revenge or hatred. This is like, we don't want to spew more hatred. It's about reconciliation. So we actually appealed to the court to not give fines to those that actually admitted guilt, you know, and, and, and actually made public apologies. So we were quite surprised. And afterwards, when we thought about it, we knew what the judge's thinking was. He was saying, every time you make a remark that's offensive to another race, you know, uh, that can be construed as hate speech, please be aware that you are potentially in line for 50,000 rent fine. Well, you can't get a bigger deterrent than that, you know, but I guess you know, people get emotional. They 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 say what they want to, and they get it afterwards. And unfortunately, you can't take back what you've said. And we also have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, just because we saw all that stream of hatred from from people that we didn't expect, you know, we thought we part of South Africa and they accept us as brothers and sisters. But we have to take cognizance of the fact that a lot of these people probably don't have Chinese friends. They don't know Chinese people. They haven't been in contact with a lot of Chinese people. There are other people, the opposite of that, that have got Chinese friends that know that we are not in the way that we've been portrayed in such a bad light. We're not anywhere remotely like that, that a few bad apples don't make up the whole nation. And unfortunately, we have to temper this whole thing and say, you know what, not all South Africans think this way. They just wouldn't. They just don't normally come on and say, the Chinese are okay. You know, the people that want to say the horrible things are the ones that come on and say things. And unfortunately, social media does give a lot of credibility to idiots out there sometimes. And we just have to take it in that kind of light. That's exactly it. Um, I mean, one of the legacies of apartheid is that we all did grow up very remotely. There was no interaction. And we have to look at uh, opportunities for South Africans to actually meet each other and uh, get to know each other a little bit better. To, if we're ever going to, any of us come out of our... And a lot of what you're saying, you know, reflects us on the Jewish community. People don't know us. People have negative views about us, uh, negative stereotypes. And, you know, we are yes. the recipients of of a lot of hate speech, which is why this case is such an important one and it's such a good step forward in, in ensuring the minorities in this country are protected. Any last comments, Owen? Just just to also echo what Francis just said, that this case was 
whilst it was to to defend ourselves, to make our voice heard as well, it is also to create better understanding. Our advocate is mentioning that this is also a, a restorative justice and is to create better understanding so that they understand the words and why it hurts and why it is wrong. It is also to create better understanding in the communities. And we understand that this is the only the beginning in terms of the hard work that we need to do to reconcile, to uh, make amends and, and to create better understanding between ourselves and other communities as well. It, we, we can't rest on our laurels and say, okay, this is it. If we want people to understand us as well and our cultures and what we stand for, uh, we need to also put in that hard work. And so we as a Chinese association will continue that work to make sure that we integrate further with more communities to create this better understanding so that we can really, really develop and, and create a, a wonderful unified South Africa for the future. Well, on that incredibly beautiful note, thank you very much. That was Owen Pan and Francis Mai Hong from the Chinese Cultural Association, Chair and Vice Chair respectively. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.